Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today we are talking about Next Level Focus Mentoring in studio with me, their founder, CEO, and he's also a mentor himself, Sherrod Ellis. Sir, how are you doing? Uh, Doing well. Today is a wonderful, beautiful day. Yes, sir. Absolutely it is. All right, so where'd you come from today? You guys, I think, do a lot of work in Fort Worth. We got in Fort Worth? Yes, sir. Well, I actually came from Flower Mound after visiting with a couple of my uh, mentees. Okay. All right. So fresh off the job. Fresh off. Uh, I always like to mention who set me up with the interviews, give an extra plug for them. Mr. M.T. Webb, uh, he is an author. His new book available on Amazon currently called The Needy Greedy Dilemma. He is also the director at N Concepts. He said that you were a great guy and that you were doing a lot of fun stuff, and it was something that I needed to check out, and so here you are. Let's talk about what you're doing at Next Level Focus. Who are you guys? What do you do? Uh, Next Level Focus uh, Mentoring is a nonprofit organization, and what we do is we work with the young people in the community who struggle with mental health issues as well as uh, substance use disorders, and we just try to get them to elevate their minds to the next level and start to refocus and revisit the importance of being themselves. You have an interesting backstory. We touched on it a little bit on the way into the studio today. Uh, You said that, you know, MT is not only a friend, he kind of helped you get started on this journey to an extent. How did that How did that go? Uh, I started working at the John Peter Smith Hospital in Fort Worth, which is considered to be um, the county hospital. And I was a mental health tech. And for some reason, he saw me and my work ethic. And What does a mental health tech do? I'm not familiar with that. We actually work inside of a psych hospital, and we're just there as the maestro. We just kind of make sure everything flows well and make sure that we provide a safe, secure, and therapeutic environment for all of the patients. Okay. So you started in the state hospital, doing or in a state hospital doing that, and then MT came in, and you guys just kind of struck up a friendship? Uh, yes, sir. He came up and talked to me and just said that he likes uh, my presence and my attitude and, and my work ethic and how I work with individuals, and uh, he started talking with me and sharing some things with me, and here we are, here I am now. Well, you're, you're glossing over a bunch of different stuff <laughs> because, you, I mean, you— you have a lot going on. You have a master's in counseling. You also have a master's in psychology. Had you started any of that stuff when you were at that hospital? I had just finished up uh, my undergrad in psychology. Is So that's why you were there? Yes, sir. Okay. So you knew that this was the field that, that you wanted to work in specifically? Yes, sir. All right. So you were finished. What did you say? You were finishing undergrad? Finishing undergrad in psychology. Okay. And you had that. Did you know you wanted to go for master's? I didn't at the time. I just thought that I was going to get out there in the field and just get my feet wet and see what was going on. And, and, and uh, Mr. M.T. Webb uh, instructed me and just said, hey, the next level education is what's going to help you get to what you need, get to where you need to be. And you'll hear a limited amount of no's. You know, if you if you have the background, yeah. people won't question, you know, your integrity and your knowledge to do this. Absolutely. What did you start with first, the counseling or the psychology aspect? 
I actually did psychology first because I love the study of how we think and how we feel and what we do as human beings. How did you get involved with all this? Where did this come from? Uh, actually, it came from actually growing up uh, from a troubled background myself and just realizing the importance and the value of an education and really understanding, you know, how I was thinking and why I was doing what I was doing. What was my feelings? So you you were getting into trouble when you were younger. Yes, sir. It takes a lot for a person to have any amount of self-reflection. You mm -hmm. say that at a young age, you recognized that you were doing stupid things and then you wanted to figure out why and improve your life. That's really hard for people. People are in therapy for years and years and years trying to figure out just that. And then you branched off of that in an unbelievable way. What made you want to look at your life like that? How were you able to be that reflective? Because, you know, the foundation that I come from, you know, my family was very spiritually oriented, uh, dysfunctional family because my dad was not there. And so that motivated me to want to drive and, and not have people experience what I experienced. And so that was my motivation to provide insight and just be a resource for individuals who are struggling in situations as similar as mine. So you could have gone a lot of different ways with the education that you got. You, you could have done a bunch of different things. I always ask this for people who work in areas that are that are tough. Of all the things that you could have done, why was it important for you to focus on youth, especially at-risk youth? Um, because I am a, a firm believer in it is better to give than to receive, because that was the message that was always instilled into, into me. And I just believe that, you know, helping these youngsters is just a great satisfaction to know that you had a part in someone's change. So you just wanted to make sure that you were the kind of person that was going to be the person you needed as a kid. Yes, sir. It kind of reminds me of uh, Gandhi. You know, the change that you want to see in the world, you must be that change and you must represent it. Was he? Is he an influence for you? Uh, definitely. That message has been very profound in my life, and it's one of the driving forces that keeps me focused. Where did you originally hear that? I've never heard that quote. Um, doing a lot of research with uh, world leaders and, you know, that aspect, you know, Dr. King and the Kennedy families and just mm -hmm. listening to all of the world leaders and how they used to talk with each Have other. You, is that a point of research for you? You, you are uh, a mentor. Is that how you help yourself to be better at that by looking at successful leaders? Yes, and, sir. Really? Yes. Oh, definitely. Yes, sir. That That's is really a, interesting. That is a definitely a foundation that you must, you know, research and, and, and become familiar with some of the individuals that have already laid the foundation for you and for myself as a mentor, you know. And so I definitely do a lot of research on the profound world leaders that have truly made an impact in the world. That's interesting. All right. Let's talk about Next Level Focus Mentoring. This organization has been around since 2016, so it's relatively new. Mm -hmm. It's You guys have been doing a lot in that time. So talk to me about what made you want to start this organization. Uh, Next Level Focus was birthed because of all of the things that I was exposed to and working in the, in the profession, and I paid more attention to the things that were not happening. Explain that. What do you mean? You know, we take a role of therapy, and the therapeutic role is very profound and it's very important for individuals that struggle with mental health issues or any type of substance abuse issues uh, to have that therapeutic connection. But it's also profoundly important for them to have resources as such as a mentor. Um, because when you look at statistics, man, mentoring is a very powerful component to helping individuals advance and overcome adversity. And so I had the option of either becoming a therapist or becoming the mentor. 
And so I kind of weighed the two and I saw the limitations of being a therapist, of how uh, connected I could be to the people that I come in contact with. And I call it the trenches, uh, working with them in the trenches and their adversity. And so I find that being a mentor is actually more rewarding because I don't have the limitations of, well, I can't do this because the state law says this or whatever. So you're using your background uh, professionally and your education to make you a better mentor as, as maybe the opposite where you're a therapist and encouraging them to go find a mentor or something like that. You're actually working on a different side of it. Is that an approach that you have seen other people take or is that is that unique to you? It, 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 well, I had a great mentor and uh, Mr. M.T. Webb. And so that laid the foundation of my thought content in the direction that I needed to go uh, because there was no limits to what he could do and what he could provide for me, mm. meaning in that aspect that I didn't just have to see him in an office. I could also see him outside the office. I could see him at my home. I could go sit down and break bread with him. As a therapist, uh, based on guidelines and ethical practices, you can't do that. I never really thought about that, that it is limiting. Uh that's interesting. I never really would have thought about it like that. So this is why we decided to go with Next Level Focus Mentoring. What were you working on professionally before you started this organization? Were you focusing on kids then? Was it specifically with drug and alcohol abuse? Where were you at in, in that respect? Well, at that time, you know, I was uh, pursuing the master's degree, and I was looking toward um, actually becoming an LPC, a licensed professional counselor. So I went through all of the training and all of that, and... I just kept having these reoccurring thoughts and visions about, you know, opening up a mentoring company mm. and being able to directly connect to the youth. Uh, and as I was going through that process, um, I got introduced to addiction. Um, and my supervisor at the time uh, just encouraged me to think about the presence of addiction. And he said that my mental, my attitude and, and my presence um, would be good with addiction. And I fought it, I fought it, but now I love it because he's right. How long did it take you to figure out that it was something that you were, it was an area that you were good at dealing with? Uh, it took me about six months to a year. Really? Uh, you know, because like you said, again, when you when you go into outside of your comfort zone, as people we know, we get very nervous and we feel like a fish out of water. Yeah. So that was a tough challenge. And it's a tough mental challenge. Was there a light bulb moment that you had in that six months to a year, or was it just the whole process of going through it? Was there maybe a certain case or a certain person that helped you realize that this was an area that you should focus on? Yeah, I think that a couple of individuals that I was dealing with that had a severe challenging uh, um, bout with addiction and recovery, and I was able to work with them and, and to see them change their lives, and now they're doing very well. That was the light bulb for me to say, okay, this is where I need to be. There's got to be a huge payoff that you get when you see somebody finally make it over that hill and, and they're on their way to recovery. Is, is that a feeling that, that you get when you're actually able to help somebody and you can see them kind of get through those stormy waters, let's say? Oh, yes, sir. It's priceless. There's no words that you can formulate to make any sentence that can tell you how gratifying it is to be a part of someone's change who has really been in the dark for however long. This organization, Next Level Focus Mentoring, I think there's always something in a name. The idea of focus, is that an important aspect of the organization? Yes, sir. 
Um, because we know as human beings, that's the thing that gets us through whatever is that focus. And so the reason that I use that next level is because we're trying to get them out of a comfort zone and take them to the next level in their thought content and how you think about yourself, how you think about your endeavors. And so that's why next level focus was very important, that focus. Talk to me about how uh, a person gets started with the organization. How do the kids that you're working with find you? Well, a lot of times, word of mouth. I mean, I'm just now branching off. We are into our brochure, which I bought one for you today. Um, I also have uh, business cards. Um, so a lot of times, of some of the work that I've done, it's just word of mouth. Um, okay. Just got my website uh, developed, and so it looks good. And people can go on there and that look on crazy. the website. And how many people right now are are working with you guys? How many kids are you, are you helping out right now? Right now, we are looking at about fifteen. Okay. Um, and they're from all different areas, uh, Flower Mound area, Hazlitt, uh, and Fort Worth, Arlington. Now, are you individually helping all 15 of these kids, or do yes, you have sir. other guys that are helping you? I have other guys, but I, I definitely make sure uh, that I let people see me all right. and I let them hear me because I want them to know that I'm not exempt from coming to talk to you. I'm not too good to talk with you. I make it a priority to talk with these young men. So you're probably going to be one of the first people that they meet, and you're going to be there throughout the journey if you're not personally mentoring them yourself. As you mentioned, you met with, what, two different guys today? Yes, sir. All right. Do you mostly work with boys or girls? Right now, primarily a lot of guys, um, but I'm looking to branch into talking with young ladies because, again, we need to hear from the opposite so that they can understand what it means to talk to a real man and, and have that respect as a young lady. What are some of the important things that you want to teach these kids, if we, where where does this process start? What do we start with? Well, we we start with a little evaluation, and they give us information about what it is that they're struggling with, what it is that they would like to do, and then we take that information and we turn that information into a game plan of life skill development, social skills, because we also know that one of the biggest phobias is social speaking and being in in society, and so we try to work on those basic life skills to improve those, to enhance their chances to become a, a, a key component in the workforce. When you're working on stuff like that with, with young people or with anybody, because that's always a major fear for people, is it so that they can present themselves well, like in a job interview or something like that, or is it speaking more towards a general confidence that they have in themselves that they can use anywhere? Yes, sir. I think it's just an in general, uh, because one of our models is the more you know, the more you grow, the more you learn, the more you earn. So we try to basically talk with them about information is what provides confidence. And that's just the in general that will get you in the door to where you feel comfortable and confident to be in a social setting. What you learn is what you earn. And that's how you make a living. And so we separate the two. And so we teach them from that aspect. Do a lot of the kids that you're working with, are they even thinking about earning potential at that point, because I know that when I was younger, I didn't <laughs> I didn't put nearly enough thought into that. And then you get a little bit older and you realize that you waste a lot of time not focusing on that stuff. So is that something that they're even exposed to yet? And it is for some of the population that I serve because I'm in both the inner city as well as the suburbs. So when you go to the suburbs, a lot of times they have the resources. So it's kind of like I minimize you know, and I mean, I have the ability to focus on it, but I choose not to because I get bored. However, in the other side, in the inner city, it, it is I need to focus on how am I going to make money? How am I going to provide myself a living based on how I'm living now? 
What are my options? And so those are what we introduce these individuals to. On the website, which is nlfmtexas.org, I, I saw you had a big thing about the ideas of growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. I thought that was a really good way to look at things. It seems to be a pretty big principle that you guys work off of. Can you explain what that is? Yes. When you look at a fixed mindset, that's what we call dictonomous thinking. That's black or white. I only see things my way. And no matter what you say to me, I'm only going to see things my way. Well, when you have the growth mindset, that means that you're open to information. And that's how you grow. You don't have that closed mind. You have an open mind. And therefore, you're receptive to um, people's information. You know you're willing to be empathetic. And you're allowing yourself that opportunity to grow. I saw the idea of looking smart. I think it was looking intelligent, but not actually being intelligent. Versus, and the opposite there is it important? Is there a look or something that is important to have, uh, maybe in presentation? Definitely, um, because you know when you, the eyes are the windows to the soul. So we can always say, "Oh yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident." But when we get in that arena where there's a lot of people around, we can start to see perspiration. We can start to see. Uh, individuals may get a little nervous. They start sweating. They start doing little things like that. So we like to just train them and put them in small groups and just let them see the importance of your presence, letting people know that, you know what, I may not know a lot about this subject, but I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable and confident that I can sit back and learn from you. It sounds like a lot of this is just trying to believe in yourself, that for people, especially at a certain age, it's important to Feel confident in who you are mm -hmm. and what you want to do. And if you have an open mind, you're going to be able to kind of push yourself into a much more positive direction, especially if you don't have those things. So is it a lot of those kind of basics that, that you're imparting to the kids, at least at first? Yes, sir. Um, because no matter what we do, especially working in the field of addiction and, 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 and the mental health profession, none of anything will work that you introduce to them if they don't believe that it will. So that's why I focus a lot on mental toughness and strengthening the mind and understanding that you're going to have to make tough decisions, but you can do it. But you just have to give yourself permission to do so. And again, it goes back to our cliche. The more you know, the more you grow. So opening up your mind to receiving information gives you the confidence. And then when you think about your professional journey, the more you learn, the more you earn. This seems to weave in with dealing with addiction is there a way that you separate these two mentalities when you're trying when you're mentoring or do they all weave together because that's what it sounds like mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. and what we and we actually come from a, a a place of humanity we respect the human part of us and so that's how it's intertwined um, because we focus a lot on being human uh, because you know as people we wear a lot of hats yeah. we have a lot of roles and unfortunately, we forget that role of being human. And so this is why when mistakes happen, people overexert and get overwhelmed and they make a mountain out of a molehill. And so now we intimidate the young people in today's time that it's not OK to make a mistake. And so they're striving to be perfect. And none of us are perfect. So we bring them back to the realization that you're human. That even if you stumble, you can correct that. And continue on. It doesn't make you a bad person because you messed up once or twice even. The real trick is to keep pushing forward and make sure that you just keep doing things that are positive, And then you'll be able to live a better life. Absolutely. 
And we also make sure that we connect it to, we use stories from the Bible. Um, like I said, not everybody's spiritual, so we don't make it from a spiritual place. We just say, hey, just read some of the stories and just see what story fits you and your specific situation. Um, you're an ordinary person, but you can do extraordinary things. And so we want to make them understand that and become aware of self-awareness, social awareness. Can you talk to me about the first person that you started mentoring, how that process started, and were you a little bit scared at first when you started doing it? Because to a certain extent, it is going to be new to you as well. Yes, sir. Upon I'm originally from Missouri, and uh, upon my inception to Texas, I worked for a nonprofit organization called Umoja, and, it, and I worked in the school system. And it was a mentoring program, but we were um, – working with a lot of the individuals in the school setting. And so, yeah, I was definitely afraid, definitely scared. Like, how am I going to talk to these young men and, and, and these young women? And and that was where I got my start, in Fort Worth, Texas. Were the kids receptive to you at first, or did you have to win them over? Yeah, it was a struggle at first, but then I just stuck to the guns and stuck to my principles of, you know, I know these young people because it was an inner-city setting. It was an inner-city school. And so I'm like, well, I used to think just like them. So... Uh, let me let them know, first of all, that I relate to you. And that was how the door started to be broken down. So once they saw that they had at least something in common with you, they were able to open up a little bit. Were yes, you sir. surprised at how open the kids got with you? Definitely. Uh, because, you know, you always in the beginning uh, have that self-doubt that, you know what, I don't know if I'm really effective working with these individuals are they really listening to me or am i really educating them or, or am i really hurting them and so you have to work through your own battles and that's why it's great to have an individual like mt webb that you know when you're stumbling you can refer to your resource and your mentor what did you learn through the process of pushing through that a lot of times i think that people they get a little bit of pushback and then they start to question and they don't have that confidence. A lot of what we're talking about is that confidence. Mm -hmm. So what you're imparting to the kids, especially now is something that you went through yourself and you had to get through it. Do you think that that example is something that you use to this day when you're mentoring or even starting an organization like this? 513C is not easy to get started. Oh yes, sir. It is definitely transparency is definitely a priority with yourself and you have to be willing to be transparent. You have to be willing to, you know, have a glass house and a glass house approach. Um, and that way that they can say, okay, you're not afraid to open up and let me know what you went through and what you've overcome. My adversity may look a little different than yours, but it's still connected by being human and knowing that none of us are perfect. I like you brought it up more than once, the idea of being human. When did that become such a strong part of your philosophy? I don't, you don't often hear that. And I have to give credit to my mother. Um, because she always, I talk to her, she's my number one advocate and she's my number one confidant. And so I talk to her on a daily basis and I always have heard her refer to being human. And we're going to make mistakes. But just remember that you're not your mistake and you can't be afraid to live. And so that was the driving force that, and that, that, that seed was planted that I nurture. And so that's why that's my presence of it sounds kind of like where you're at professionally may have those seeds may have been sowed by your mom. Was she was she kind of a, a therapist type personality? Was that kind of who she was or who she is? Well, yeah, as you say, I mean, she was in the in the uh, she was a phlebotomist. 
and she over 40 years of drawing blood but everyone called her the social worker that was her nickname <laughs> um, because she would help people solve issues and just a great young lady just a great person so it's kind of somewhere in that dna yes sir now you say that you're working with about 15 guys right now and you're involved with all of them an interesting thing about organizations like this is that sometimes growth can be hard to deal with because you want an organization like this to grow and you want to help as many people as possible. But at a certain point, you're going to get stretched too thin. So what are you looking for as far as the future of Next Level Focus Mentoring? Uh, the future is, is, is hopefully uh, to kind of go in that same direction like the Boys and Girls Club. You know, um, the value of having a great facility right now, we just go into the homes and we work with individuals from um, their homes. But to have an actual place of residence to where people can come and enjoy the luxuries of having different programs and different options. Uh, and that's the direction that we're looking to go. So like a residential type environment? Yes, it could be more like a community center. Okay. You know, a life skills center, you know, to where we can provide multiple services and, and programs, leadership programs. Uh, dress for success, you know, things like that. Um, we also just now recently decided to do a, a knuckles to knowledge intervention. And this, this is an intervention component that will help families that are in dire need of, doesn't necessarily have to be related to recovery or addiction. It could just be that, hey, we have a lot of chaos in our family right now, a lot of anger, nobody's talking, nobody's speaking. So knuckles to knowledge is an intervention piece that we come in and we provide intervention to those families that are struggling so you, you go in and you talk to the entire family and get a dialogue started and that's going to help them on the road to recovery mm -hmm. healing the wounds healing the wounds is that a new program for you yes sir we have just uh talked about that and actually implemented it yesterday with a family and how, so did, it, how did it go uh went well and uh, hopefully we're going to connect with this family who's a family of uh the Husband is a pastor, and they also have a, a real estate company, and they're looking in the Hazlitt area to bring these type of services to that area because it's not there. Interesting. All right, so you're already looking at some growth and some expansion. Yes, sir. Is that exciting to you? Oh, very exciting. All right. <laughs> it seems like you're you're doing really good. How long? Actually, this is a question I did want to ask. We are unfortunately starting to run up against the clock. How long have you been working with some of these kids? Because uh, I would say that being a constant would be one of the most important things to being a mentor. you got to be somebody that the kids can count on. So do you, have you been able to develop some really long-term relationships, or are you in the process of that? Uh, I have uh, been able to do so. Um, I have to mention Mr. Bruce Cameron. He's another one of my mentors. He's a, a therapist out of South Lake as well as uh, Highland Park. Uh, he also played an integral part in where I'm at now. Um, the reason why I can, I'm able to go into places like Flower Mound and Hazlitt and South Lake is because of him. He challenged me to step outside of my comfort zone and work with uh, diverse children, you know, coming from the suburbs and coming from that well-to-do family versus in my comfort zone working with individuals that I'm familiar with. So definitely um, that, that, that's a great component to me. Very interesting. All right, so if people want to get involved with Next Level Focus Mentoring, are you looking for volunteers? Are you in the process of trying to find more mentors to help out? Uh, definitely. Uh, looking for opportunities to speak with individuals um, and just see where people's heart is at. Uh, we are definitely more about quality than we are about quantity, so we're very sticular on who we bring into our organization.
um, because, again, it's about quality, not about quantity. What are you looking for as far as a mentor is concerned? Uh, looking for individuals that have a passion for it, that are genuine. Uh, they don't necessarily have to come from a background that is similar to these individuals, but I definitely will, we definitely would like people that are passionate about working with the young people and being an advocate for our future. So you're on the hunt. Yes, sir. Always looking for somebody new. Oh, well, yes, between the expansion and getting new kids in, you've got a lot on your plate. It's got to be really exciting. Is how this organization running right now, is that how you envisioned it? Yes, sir. And and I tell you what, it's actually uh, doing a lot great, better than what I thought and what I could even imagine. Uh, and now uh, the doors are being opened, conversations are being held um, with expansion and with opportunities for this company to grow. And And I'm very excited. All right. If people want to get involved with Next Level Focus Mentoring, whether they be a kid that wants a mentor or somebody is looking to be a mentor, what's the best way for somebody to do that? Uh, give me a call. Go to our website. Um, just uh, give 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 this guy a call. I'm not afraid to put my number out there. Just I give double him a checked call. to make sure. <laughs> I asked if you had a phone number, and you gave me your cell phone. And I said, "Are you sure?" And you said, "Yeah, absolutely, no hesitation." So the website nlfmtexas.org, or you can give the man a call at eight one seven three seven one. 2593. The organization is Next Level Focus Mentoring. I've been speaking with their founder, CEO, and mentor, Sherrod Ellis. It was great speaking with you. Best of luck. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.